Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. It is Thursday, February 27th, and the Bruins are currently preparing for a home game tonight against the Dallas Stars, a team they played and beat on opening night and whom they will not see after tonight uh, again this season unless, of course, they both make the Stanley Cup final. We'll get into that game here in a moment as well as answer some mailbag questions and take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that my name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, You can find me on twitter.com at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And the podcast will be available or is available, I should say, uh, everywhere podcasts can be found, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play, Pocket Casts, uh, Apple users in particular, if you're able to leave a rating and a review, it would be very much appreciated as Apple is still one of the leading podcast apps and uh, the ratings on there hold a lot of sway in terms of growing uh, the show. So I'd really appreciate that. Let's begin now by previewing tonight's game against the Dallas Stars, where it looks like it will be the debut of Andre Kasha uh, in a Boston Bruins uniform. Uh, Based on Bruins line rushes here at the morning skate, we have Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak on the first line, which is no surprise, uh, followed by Nick Ritchie on the second line, left wing spot alongside David Krejci at center and Kasha on the right wing. That means that Jake DeBrusque has been bumped down to the third line. Charlie Coyle and Anders Bjork rounding out that line. And then the effective fourth line uh, that was probably Boston's best line in the loss to Calgary the other night of Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm, and Chris Wagner remains intact. On defense, we have Zdeno Chara, Charlie McAvoy, Tori Krug, Brandon Carlo, and Matt Grizzlick, and Jeremy Lozon, as has been the pairings for uh, several games now. In net, it looks as though uh, Yaroslav Halak is going to get the start. Um, so we'll see if those lines stick once puck drops here against the Dallas Stars on Thursday evening. Uh, but if so, it looks like uh, Bruce Cassidy is giving Richie a chance to uh, shake off a forgettable debut and get some more prime minutes on the second line while uh, sending a bit of a message here to Jake DeBrusque. And these are some topics that were raised in the mailbag questions, and we'll get to those here in a moment as well. As for the Dallas Stars, we all remember Boston uh, beat them on opening night. Uh, Brett Richie and Danton Heinen scored in that one. They're both uh, no longer with us. I mean, not you know, dead, but no longer Boston Bruins. Um, Since then, the Dallas Stars have had an interesting season. Of course, they let go of head coach Jim Montgomery due to uh, personal issues. He's been replaced by Rick Bonus. The Stars currently hold third spot in the Central Division uh, with a record of 37-20-6. They are uh, four points back of St. Louis for the division lead uh, with a plus 11 goal differential. Looking at their team stats, uh, it's kind of staggering how, uh, you know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan were both 
traditionally, you know, point per game players. Jamie Benn even won the Art Ross a few years ago with, uh, I think it was only 87 points. But uh, right now, Tyler Sagan has 16 goals and 32 assists for 48 points in 63 games, while Jamie Benn only has 18 goals, 17 assists for 35 points. They still do lead the team, uh, but some younger players are stepping up and uh, seemingly deserving of uh, greater opportunities, most specifically Rupe Hints and Denis Gurianov. Um, as well. And, you know, I was looking at their website this morning and there's a, a good piece by Mike Heike up there about uh, how Jason Dickinson is proving to be an unsung hero for the stars. If you remember um, a few years back, the Bruins traded a first round pick uh, for Yaramir Yager prior to the trade deadline. That pick ended up being uh, the one that was used to select Jason Dickinson. Very near the end of the first round and uh, stars interim coach uh, Rick bonus said for the last couple months, he's been a very important part of this team. Very important in terms of killing penalties, checking. He's a character guy, a leader on this team in his own right. He's a potential captain down the road. He's a great kid and a great competitor. He's one of those guys who can do it all said captain Jamie Ben. He's a great centerman. He can play wing. He can PK. He can power play if we need him to. He's kind of an unsung hero for us. Um, again, he was drafted 29th overall in the 2013 NHL draft. The Bruins, of course, went to the Stanley Cup final that year and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, hence the 29th uh, you know, spot for that pick. Um, and it just goes to show you kind of uh, the picks that you trade, um, how – they end up playing out this one. You know, it was a a gamble for the Bruins to give up a first for Yager. They ended up going to the final and losing. Uh, so at the time, it, it certainly paid off, although we would have liked to have seen more from Yager in the playoffs. Um, and now, years later, we see Jason Dickinson becoming uh, an integral depth player for the Dallas Stars. So he is certainly a guy... Uh, to keep an eye on uh, tonight if you're into lamenting picks that have come and gone. Uh, And also, as we look to the player that commanded a first-round pick this year, well, not just Kosh, of course, but the fact that um, the Bruins sent a first-round pick to the Ducks uh, to acquire that winger and also to dump David Backus' contract. So uh, we'll see where that pick ends up this year who it becomes down the road and also whether or not, uh, you know, Kasha can make an immediate impact here for the Bruins. It's interesting that he'll be on a line with someone that he's somewhat familiar with in uh, Nick Ritchie uh, from their time with the Ducks and David Krejci will have uh, kind of two new wingers uh, on his flanks. Uh, although he did see some time with Nick Ritchie the other night um, in Richie's debut, uh, in which he recorded seven shots, yet no um, shots on goal, unfortunately. Uh, ben Bishop looks to get the start in goal for the Dallas Stars. He has a record of 21-13-4 and with a 9-22 save percentage. Uh, for the Bruins, like I said, it will be Yaroslav Halak. Uh, he is 16-6. and uh, Sorry, 16, 6 and 6 with a 918 save percentage in the other net for Boston. 
should be a good one for sure. It's always fun when uh, Tyler Sagan comes to town. Speaking of uh, draft picks, former players that got away, and uh, I expect uh, a pretty entertaining game between these two teams uh, here tonight. And uh, let's now talk a little bit more about the lineup changes as we address some mailbag questions. All right, I put out a call for some mailbag questions, and uh, we got a few here to uh, respond to. A friend of the show, Court Lalonde, he sent in a few, and he asked that I, please say, long-time listener, first-time caller, asks the following, but uh, that would be a lie because Court has been a guest on the podcast before. So, Court, thank you for being a long-time listener. Thank you for sending in some questions, and let's record... Uh, together again soon but he yeah he asked a few uh or a couple questions here that uh i will answer now the first was do you think the bruins finish first or is it a foregone conclusion that tampa finishes ahead of them well honestly i don't think there are any foregone conclusions in hockey if anything was close to one it would have been boston winning on home ice in Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final against the St. Louis Blues. Um, And we all know what happened there. So, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either way. Uh, But at this point, I do expect the Bruins to hold on to first place. They're uh, five points up on the Lightning with 18 games to play. And the two teams play uh, twice here coming up uh, next week, actually. So those will go a long way to determining what happens. But... You know, the Bruins have pretty much held first place since day one. And uh, despite the fact that it may be advantageous to drop to the second spot and play uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Florida Panthers, who may very well finish outside of the top eight in the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, just optically, it uh, would be good for the Bruins to uh, run the table and stay in first place. Now, the Lightning do have a game in hand on the Bruins. Uh, and as I mentioned, they are five points back. Uh, their goal differentials are very even at uh, plus 49 for the Lightning, plus 46 for the Bruins. Um, so all that to say, both teams are very capable of finishing first in the East, uh, in the Atlantic. If you had told me at this point that Boston would be in first right now, uh, NHL-wide, I would have been ecstatic. And even if they do fall back in a second, I don't think it will be the end of the world. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but basically, no, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either way. And um, yeah, it should be interesting down the stretch. And those two games, as I mentioned, will be will be pretty huge. Uh, Court also asks, why are some in the fan base hitting panic mode after every loss? Well, I think... Partly because they've been so rare uh, for the Bruins this season. Uh, You know, they've only lost three games in regulation at home. They've only lost 13 games in regulation uh, total, although an extra 12 in overtime and the shootout. Um, I think the expectations have just become so high for this team that when they don't uh, perform up to their capabilities, the fan base uh, can turn very easily. I guess some of us also forget what it was like uh, prior to this run of success uh, that has lasted, yeah, for about a decade now. And I take that back to whatever, 2000, 2009, 2010, 
but certainly uh, back to 2011 uh, before this core really took off. Um, and especially, you know, um, in the late nineties, mid two thousands, after the, uh, Joe Thornton trade, things were pretty bleak there, uh, for several years. Uh, those of us who are around for the Dave Lewis era can remember that. Um, so the fact that Boston has been so good for so long kind of puts, uh, people in a tailspin when they don't perform up to, uh, kind of what we've expected of them in recent years. Court's third question is what game mark what is the game mark for a good evaluation for Richie or do we need to wait until the playoffs that's two in one for you I think you know after one game certainly is not fair uh, we can't discount the impact of being notified that you are being sent across the country uh, to play for a different team uh, engaging in said travel practicing with your new team once and being thrown into the fire in a game situation. Um, not to mention being bounced around uh, for, on two different lines in the course of the same game. So I think Richie deserves a bit of a mulligan for his first game. He's obviously getting a prime opportunity here in game two on the second line with Krejci and a f- fellow former Duck uh, Kasha. So I think we can reasonably say, you know, give him till the end of the regular season to get truly acclimated, feel comfortable. And of course, you know, in the playoffs is where we truly uh, want to see him make an impact and where uh, guys tend to elevate their games and uh, become uh, memorable performers. Uh, we all know, you know, Nathan Horton in 2011, how he became a Bruins legend for those uh series winning goals of his and uh, I'm not saying that Nick Ritchie is Nathan Horton but you know he is a a top 10 overall pick back in 2014 he certainly has the capability to be an offensive contributor to be a big body out on the ice and uh, you know once he starts leveling some people putting a few pucks in the net I think uh, Boston fans will be uh, pretty happy I know you know part of the reason um, people are perhaps going to be a bit hard on him is due to the fact that Danton Heinen was pretty beloved by uh, a segment of the fan base. Certainly some were, were pretty sick of him and didn't really see his value. Uh, but those of us who did appreciate Danton Heinen were sad to see him go. And if Rick Richie doesn't, you know, make an immediate impact, we start to question what, what Don Sweeney was thinking there, but you know, the, the cap space was a big issue and if it can translate into uh, re-signing more guys than uh, with Danton Heinen still on the roster, then I think that's a win there as well. So I'll have to say, you know, I'll give him a few more games. Certainly through those Tampa games will be a big uh, measuring stick for everybody on this team. And uh, I give him a pass for his first game because uh, of the travel, the change in his situation, and also because the team as a whole uh, looked pretty crap. Uh, against the Flames the other night. Final question comes from Rob Cordes at Rob1Cordes. He asks, what should we do about DeBrusque? Seems like he has very little compete or hustle lately. Do you agree? I think a view from the ninth floor is in order. Well, I wouldn't go that far to put him in the press box. Um, I would say DeBrusque has traditionally been a pretty streaky player. And he... um, 
was on a pretty good run there uh, not too long ago. Seems to have quieted down. Tonight, Bruce Cassidy is going to start him on the third line, so that's something that Cassidy has employed uh, earlier this season and did seem to spark him a little bit uh, to kind of suggest his spot on the second line is not guaranteed, and failing that, perhaps a, a game in the press box would be uh, worthwhile, but for now, I think the bumping down to the third line should send that message. He did look uh, pretty decent with Charlie Coyle earlier this season, and I expect to see uh, that decision from Bruce Cassidy uh, light a bit of a fire under him uh, tonight, uh, certainly, and hopefully that gets his game back on track. Uh, thanks so much for those mailbag questions, and uh, we'll be... <laughs> You're my wife back there. She did not send in any questions. But we will open up the mailbag again next week and now uh, cap off the show with a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic uh, posted a piece today uh, talking about previewing the top storylines in what promises to be a wild offseason. And one of the biggest is uh, the two big unrestricted free agent blue liners, one being St. Louis Blues, Captain Alex Pietrangelo, and the other being Boston's own uh, Tory Krug. And LeBron said he would have predicted that at least one of them would have signed an extension by now. Of course, we know the Bruins have some salary cap limitations with uh, some very good players uh, under contract for uh, quite some time now with uh, Merchand, Pasternak, Bergeron, um, all of whom signed fairly team-friendly deals with the Bruins, and um, it's likely that he'll be expected to take a similar deal if he wants to stay with the Bruins. One agent was quoted by uh, LeBron as saying, Boston won't pay Krug more than Pasta at $6.66 million or Bergeron $6.875 million. I think Krug could get seven. Million AAV if he goes the free agency route, maybe even 7.5 million. Another agent said he values him between 7.5 and 8 million. Call him what he is a consistent 50 point offensive D man and a point a game guy in the playoffs. Uh, LeBron adds For me, each situation comes down to what the players ultimately want. Both Peter Angelo and Krug will know the discount they have to take to stay put with a perennial contender the only team each player has played for, but the allure of July 1 will be a hard tug as well. Um, His prediction ultimately is that Peter Angelo stays put and Krug heads to the market, but that's purely speculative on his part at this stage. Uh, I would certainly think that the Detroit Red Wings would be in on Tory Krug being a Michigan guy. Uh, The fact that they're... Uh, in building mode, and have some cap space to work with. Um, Again, yeah, I think it's true that the only way Krug remains in Boston is if he does take uh, a bit of a discount, takes less than what he would command on the open market, and that would be um, kind of uh, bucking the trend of some of his teammates who have decided to remain with the Bruins at, uh, you know, less than what they uh, would command on the open market. So that's going to be a uh, very interesting uh, situation to say the least. And we'll see again if the cap space opened up by the uh, Bacchus trade and the Danton Heiden trade uh, are enough to get 
Krug re-signed, as well as uh, RFAs like uh, Jake DeBrusque, Matt Grizzlick, Anders Bjork. And, um, you know, all of it likely means that Yaroslav Halak will not be coming back as the uh, backup goaltender next year. Uh, one note about Joe Thornton uh, in Elliot Freeman's latest 31 thoughts. He wonders what the future will hold for the San Jose Shark Center. Uh, I had mentioned earlier this week that Thornton was not uh, too pleased about not being traded prior to the deadline. He really seemed to have wanted to jump on with a contender. If he's not sold on the Sharks as a cup contender next season, Friedman predicts the Toronto Maple Leafs will be a factor. Uh, he believes the Leafs did consider adding Thornton before the trade deadline, uh, but can't confirm it. Uh, perhaps Thornton will... Uh, jump in and take the kind of deal that Jason Spezza is currently on with the Maple Leafs, uh, kind of that league minimum deal that Patrick Marlowe signed with the Sharks uh, earlier, uh, well, prior to the season, and um, that he now carries with the Penguins after having been traded to Pittsburgh prior to the trade deadline. Apart from our Bruins and Stars game tonight, I mentioned uh, Tampa Bay will be playing the Chicago Blackhawks, so that's a game to keep an eye on as the Bruins look to keep their uh, lead on Tampa Bay in the Atlantic Division race. The Panthers and Maple Leafs will also be uh, in action tonight in Florida. Uh, Toronto currently uh, two points up on the Panthers with the game in hand, so if the Panthers can win this game in regulation, they will vault ahead of the Maple Leafs in the standings and retain that game in hand. So very pivotal game here in the race for the third spot in the Atlantic, and that's something definitely to keep an eye on while you're watching uh, the Bruins game tonight and also keeping an eye on the uh, Lightning and Blackhawks. Uh, I know we're not really Blackhawks fans around here, but uh, certainly rooting for them tonight to uh, take care of the Lightning. Along those lines, NHL.com came out with their weekly power rankings and have the Bruins uh, in second behind the Lightning. Fighting Boston's two recent losses where they allowed a total of seven goals. Sorry, 14 goals. Where did seven come from? Um, But that's not taking into account the fact that the Lightning are on a three-game losing streak and Boston's still five points ahead of them. Uh, so I don't really know what measure they're basing that on. But in my mind, the um, Bruins are the number one team in the NHL right now. That's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Enjoy Bruins versus Stars tonight, friends. And we'll be back tomorrow to recap that one, take a look at the weekend ahead, and also yeah, probably update the... Um, NHL power rankings after the dust settles from tonight's action. Uh, Yeah, take care of yourselves, friends, and talk to you tomorrow. Later.